Genre. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. everybody to Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we have Heidi Bennett with us this week. Hey, Heidi. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. I think you might have been one of the first like handful of people that actually requested specific minutes. And so we're glad to like finally be here i feel yeah. we're past the halfway point in the movie it feels like we're it's like a while. yeah yeah it's been a journey we, we we're going until june and so it's nice to like we're already at the quidditch match it's really cool yeah it's exciting you know i i, I really jumped on it and you guys were the first people who i requested may i be on your podcast because yeah. i love the movies and then um it's been really fun listening this whole time and then having in the back of my mind, oh, I know I'm going to be in there. And then when you, you know, doled out my precious minutes, I was so excited <laughs> to watch them. And so, yeah, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on. Um, we have get we get some good uh, Snape stuff this week, which I think mm-hmm. is uh, primarily what you were excited about. I think Victoria, Snape's your favorite character, so <laughs> we'll have a good discussion if, coming up. If you're, if you're a listener of the show, I think it is very well established that I have an obsession with Snape. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in good how, company. Uh, how did you come to be a fan of the Harry Potter franchise? Well, um... <laughs> With the, when we were talking off mic, you said that you started with the movies. Yes. So I am um, a little bit older than you guys. And so I didn't grow up with it like um, some of the guests you've had on and, sure. and how you guys have talked about, you know, getting into all the books. I just, I mean, I noticed that excitement and I thought it was really fun to see. You know, I remember it was one of those things where they're saying, you know, this is a great thing for kids, you know, that they're re- yeah. they're really getting involved in these stories and going from book to book to book. And um, it's, it's an era of children, you know, kind of reconnecting to reading or getting really excited about it. But yeah, I just went as a lover of um, fun kind of fantasy movies and it sounded like something I'd like. And I went with a couple of girlfriends, all of us. So all of us were in our 40, like Thir- late 30s i guess okay ish late 30s and then i was trying to th- i was thinking 40s when i was like oh wait it's actually been a little while <laughs> back when the the first one came out um and i live in um oakland california i was at the time was living in alameda which is just about 10 minutes away mm-hmm. and i actually went to a great theater that's no longer there but it was one of those cool places where somebody um converts an an older church into a movie house. Okay. Wow. So it was one of those situations where you go in and sit at like, you know, sit in some comfy couches or some kind of old crappy Ikea couches and stuff, yeah. <laughs> try to find the best couch. But yeah, I went with a couple of other girlfriends that are really into costume costumes and fantasy and stuff like that. So did, uh, did anyone dress up? It. No, no, I don't 
remember anybody dressing up. It was a really I, low key affair. Yeah, that makes sense. It wasn't I, an event. I mean, it was, yeah, it wasn't like an event showing. It may have been out for a while, you know. Sure. Yeah, I, um, I don't think I ever personally dressed up for anything. Actually, I don't think I even have a, a good costume. I still need to get like robes and things. Why, I know, why I haven't know. I done that? Um, I don't remember dressing up personally, but I do remember that being like any time that we went to see movies. Um, there were at least like a, a handful of people in the auditoriums, especially like if you're going oh, yeah. in the first like few days. Like, I mean, I mm. went to midnight r- releases for the books and people would dress up. Oh yeah, for sure. Midnight releases for the books. That's, that's like my favorite thing. Right. Cause what, who and what series do, does that now? I don't think, I don't think that exists. Or ever. The last... Or ever. Like before <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. Did people do that? No, We I did a, so. we did a midnight release for, well, more for Harry Curse Potter Child. for first child, yeah. yeah, and that was that was cool because being a bookseller this time, like on the other side of the counter, it was so much fun because we were responsible for like setting everything up and doing all the decorations, and it was just like, oh, this is the being thing the that one I, like... to provide the fun, yeah, yeah. No, but I like that because even um, uh, Ricky's Ricky's mom, Ricky, uh, my fiance now, <laughs> congratulations! Uh, I know <laughs> that doesn't come up on the podcast right i thought it did i, I think it did once i think you mentioned fiance you brought it up before i might have. put me on the spot uh he got into harry potter because of his mom uh not the other way around so his mom loved it and she's from wales wow hmm. she was born and raised in wales to to like maybe like seven or eight years old and then came over here and she kind of kept a lot of that love of things that are kind of from there like paddington mm. is a is an english mm. story and she loved sure. that and uh so she really got into harry potter and unfortunately when she passed she was in the middle of the fifth book oh that's so sad Cause that was the most book that had like been released yeah. none, none have been released after that uh so ricky kind of got into it because of his mother because of her and then read it and then when uh she passed of course we kept going to then at that point me and him are together and went to all the midnight showings for the sixth and the seventh to continue on with that yeah it was always like a a sentimental thing for him because he wishes his mom would have seen what it became Mm -hmm. because she was yeah that's interesting and see she's i mean at the time when she was reading it she must have been like in her 40s as well yeah, like in her mm-hmm. late thirties, early forties, mid forties. I think um, as Harry Potter a sort transcends of, all ages. I think so, definitely. Um, those those books. I think I, I got the first one and loved it. I devoured it in like a handful of days. I think, and my mom read it as a result. And then I think like my aunts and my uncles and my cousins, like it became a, even the book events were like all the family going out to the bookstore together. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I went with my uncle to most of the book releases. Oh, see, there's literally my whole family. There's like, the, if you asked any, any, any member of my family, who were the readers in the family, mm-hmm. it'd be me and like one of my aunts and like, that's it. Wow. No one is readers in my family. That's they don't interesting. read books. They're especially for fun, you know. Yeah. No. See, no, my mom always had books with her when I was a kid. Like I remember her always reading. And so I think that that was something that I just sort of followed. And um being the oldest child in the family, I think I definitely like kind of encouraged the rest of my siblings. So I think all of my si- well, I think most of my siblings are like readers. We're definitely a reading family and when I was little, our my dad, I have a brother, and my dad um, read us 
the um lord of the rings i think he started with the hobbit i would imagine you know that seems like a good entry point but i definitely know we went through lord of the rings and i remember you know i can still remember the you know having your eyes closed and kind of visualizing because it's such a you know visual story and being at different places you know because you're going to go through that book it's going to take a while to go through the book. So, mm. you know, maybe we're reading it. He's reading it to us at home sometimes, and then maybe camping at another time. So I remember being in like the camp trailer and being read. And mm. I think my mom probably took turns reading too, but I mostly remember my dad reading those. And then it was so fun years and years and years later, seeing the first trailer for, for Lord of the Rings and just going, Oh, this looks like they nailed it oh my god you know and then we did all go see it together saw the first one together at least and that was a lot of fun yeah i think for me it was the same kind of thing i think i introduced a lot of my family into harry potter and then my uncle the one who was taking us to see the uh, to go pick up books at midnight he got me interested in like lord of the rings and hobbit right before those movies happened because they we, we've talked about this before, but um, Fellowship came Harry out a Potter. month after Harry Potter yeah. did. Mm. And they, they kind of occupy the same sort of space for me. Like, they were both series, like, big epic fantasy series that I really got into in middle school, I guess. I must have been when that first, when those were coming out. Something like that. Right. And uh, I don't know. It was cool that we kind of exchanged those. Um, I devoured those books, like, pretty quickly, too. I remember being so invested with uh with my mom being which i mean sing, single mom yeah raising me by herself me being an only child uh not a reader whatsoever mm-hmm. and this is <laughs> it's it's almost a shame the the one time she ever asked me for a book series to read okay it was twilight we've talked about this it was twilight Uh, why do you keep bringing that up on the show (laughs) because this is the only books my mom has read yeah it's a bummer within my adult life that's why you haven't gotten her heidi have you still not read the the harry potter books you know this is gonna be confession time i Uh actually so (laughs) my husband's mom had all the books. I'm staring at them literally right now. I'm looking up on the shelf. So they're all pa- the paperback version. Yeah, they're all there. I started reading them, and I just didn't get into it at all. Oh my lord! And I think you know this is a good place. You know, you're talking about your your mom and and yeah. the shame uh, of uh, Victoria's mom. Of, oh, she <laughs> you know she's only into this one type of book. But uh, so my. Twilight. My occupation is creative life coach. And one thing that we deal with a lot with creative minded folks, with everybody, but with creative minded folks, especially is, is how to not have shame about things. So like your mom's into something that you're not into that, or you might find silly and ridiculous, but that's her place to do that, you know, experience reading. And so it's a nice thing to be able to like connect to what, you can have in uh, in common with her is that no, at no, least no i have uh, i have read the book oh you've read them too see so i mean <laughs> yeah. it's like you just get into what you get into and for me yeah. watching the movies is a great way for my creative brain to take in information sure. so even though i love reading and there's books i've read over and over again it's kind of like oh i watched this movie 
my brain doesn't want to now slow down and read and, and reading for me, it doesn't, I mean, I don't have a reading disability, even though that's fine if I did, but somehow it's just, my brain doesn't want to slow down and go through and read the words. It just wants to go, Oh, I can see It's like, I already know this story. Why do I need to read it? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like where you're going with that because, um, I was going to, you know, I loved the, the Lord of the Rings books when I was a kid. And then, when the movies came out, I got all the extended editions and I really fell in love with the movies. And I've, I've attempted to go back and reread the series and I have not finished it. Not since I was in. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, and I don't know why I think it's because like, because the pacing is, is, is drastically, you know, it is a lot Mm -hmm. slower because Tolkien Mm -hmm. takes a lot of time to do the descriptions and the like kind of the building up all the imagery of the space and the history of the, and so I, I, you kind of, it's a different experience, you know. I'm you, trying to you think. react to it differently. It's like people that watch Game of Thrones that aren't going to read Game of Thrones, like yeah. Well, see, I've read Game of Thrones and I have no interest in watching it. I yeah, so it's just different. Yeah. It's all yeah. And then isn't it great? We have so many options that yeah. we can yeah, watch, no, we can read, I'm, we can watch exactly. and read. Yeah. Well, and and, and and I don't think I've ever watched something and then read the book. Not that really? I can think of. I think mm-hmm. every time I've always read the, the the book first comic book or book or no, whatever there's, there's definitely and things then that have come out whatever there's definitely things that have come out that are based on books that i've never read the books for like when i as soon as i found out gone girl was based on a book i went and read gone girl before the movie the came out the movie was good but I didn't the read movie the was amazing and it actually was very true to the book and i you liked and i that. did an old i nerd that episode about maze runner because you had read maze runner mm-hmm. and i hadn't i like maze runner yeah. the uh the book and the movie was decent mm-hmm so I don't. One it's of my yeah, I, that just reminded me of yeah. one of my favorite experiences ever was somebody loaned me this book and that ended up being a movie soon after I read it, and that was mm-hmm. I think one of the most exciting because it was Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. Oh, so That's I was already one. like ooh, <laughs> like sitting alone at night in my bed reading it, you know, just ooh, kind of scaring myself and 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 loving the book, and then it came out like soon after that. And it was really, really fun to experience that as a movie and kind of know the story already, but see how they're going to, you know, do it. It was really good. That was right. A, people a always good have experience. Like, people always have weird opinions about how that's going to go. Cause some people don't like to do that. Cause it takes away. Mm-hmm. Like if you're watching the movie after you've read the book, you're like, Oh, well, this isn't like this, and this isn't like that, you know, and you're just comparing it the whole I, time. And right. Since I've away. been working at a movie theater, I kind of, I kind of like watching a movie and then reading the book because you don't have that when you see the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, they didn't do this right, and they didn't do that right, and then when you take in the book, you're you're gaining another level of, or like a whole new layer of story. Um, mm-hmm. I read The Prestige by Christopher mm. Priest. I love that movie. I didn't even know it was a book. And then when I found the book, it, it turns out that the majority of the book actually like is not even referred. Like there's a whole hmm. bit in modern day that's never touched in the movie, mm. um, which I found fascinating. Um, and it was I'm just, it didn't take up. away from me. Yeah, oh, that book is really good. Um, it doesn't take away at all from that movie. That movie is masterful, but but it was nice to like crack it open and be like, oh, there's something new here. Um, something novel that right. I really enjoyed. Cool. 
We should talk about the minute, probably. Let's do that. Okay, yes. (laughs) That's why we love movies. Yeah. And we do these podcasts. That's why we do these podcasts. That's why we love the movies by minute format so much. Totally. great. You get to really get the meat of yeah oh, what, absolutely what, what this movie is how it came to be like everything all the little minute yeah, details yeah. so today we're talking about minute 81 of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone uh minute 81 starts with angelina johnson tumbling to the ground um and it ends with harry whipping around on his broom uh, last week we saw as the two Slytherin chasers, Adrian Pusey and, and Marcus Flint, the captain, uh, kind of pinned Angelina between the two of them. And they, they drove her right into one of the towers that are circling around the uh, circling around the uh, Quidditch pitch. And um, I don't know, definitely an illegal move. Here's one of the, the several moments in this game where we've been like, you're not allowed to do. Where are you, Madam Hooch? Like, what are you Madam doing? Hooch, you're just. She said she wanted she a nice clean game right. and then and then turned her back on the game. She's distracted down there. I, what is she doing? Heck if I know. Socializing. No, I have a question for when Harry's whipping around his broom leader. Yeah, and then still, like, where... Because that lasts for a whole minute. Like, yeah, she could have gone enough there time to, to react. Like, what are you doing? How are you... Can I help you in any way? Like, jeez, do something. Um... I really feel for Angelina. She tumbles to the ground, and she's definitely unconscious when she hits the ground. Like, yeah. Same with Wood. Both of them. Oh yeah, they're in this just game knocked out. Have been like knocked out. It's not okay. The no, Slytherin team are, are, are roughhousing. Yeah, that's um, what I took away. Like, I mean, I watched a few minutes before this just to kind of ease myself in, and I I see that you know right here is kind of where Slytherin starts to you know gain gain points but at the cost of what looks like all illegal stuff so i was wondering yeah i was wondering because i don't know the the rules of of Mm -hmm. the game but is that just totally normal or is that like you know slytherin technique you know i think that slytherin is just breaking the rules like i i think that these are fouls like we can specifically i have a note for um, later in the week when Harry and the Slytherin uh, seeker are neck and neck. But um, there are, according to Quidditch Through the Ages, 700 fouls in Quidditch. And there is no comprehensive list of what all of them are, but like bumping other players isn't okay. Um, like, I don't think grabbing anyone's broom is okay. Um, I'm not sure that Marcus Flint is allowed to take the beater's bat, but I, 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 that's not something that's specifically mentioned anywhere. And the beater's um, bat is, since I, I saw him do that in the, in a, you know, a couple minutes before, but what yeah. is that usually used for? Why is uh, it there? I think the reason the beater has the bat is to keep bludgers away from their team, um, but it's also to direct it towards the other team. So, so if the beater himself had knocked the bludger into Oliver Wood, I think that would have been acceptable. Because that's his position. That's what you're supposed to do. Gotcha. But Marcus Flint taking the beater's bat and doing it himself is, uh, I think, unacceptable because he's a chaser, not a beater. And so I think that that's like he's. But I don't. I don't know. It's it's. It's not clarified anywhere in any of the material I've 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 tried to look for for notes. Um. I definitely do think that like a lot of the rough behavior, like we saw, we saw Marcus Flint, like kick someone on their broom. Yeah. He's and, very uh, rough. He's yeah. He's very aggressive. 
in his style. And I, I don't think that that would be allowed in like a typical match. Um, I'm not sure how much that stuff happens in the book. I should have reread the chapter and <laughs> I glanced at it because I was looking for something specific, but I didn't take the time to like, I don't know how much of the roughhousing in the movie is for the movie's sake versus how much happens in the book. Right. Um, to just I, keep the action, make more action packed. Exactly. And, um, yeah. I do think that there are moments where, uh, even, even, um, Lee Jordan and his commentary in the book or there are moments where he's like, where's the, where's that call? Like, what mm. are you doing, Madam Hooch? Like, why aren't you? Um, I, I really like, as much as I love Lee Jordan as the commentator in, in, in this, I, I like him more because in the book, because he, he definitely shows like whose side he's on. Um, he roots directly for Gryffindor for most of this game. And every time he shows like a preference, McGonagall's like, you need to stop that. And he's like, mm. okay, professor. <laughs> Um, well, that was another thing I was going to just mention yeah. and talk about, which is, and correct me if this isn't in this specific minute, but, um, is that everyone, is everyone in the crowd sitting in their own house section? Like when you look at those. I think all the students stands. are, but I don't think that the, I mean, the professors are, they have their own box. Um, and it's, it's. But, like, Hagrid's hanging out with Gryffindor, Filch is hanging out with Slytherin, like, yeah. the kids, but then, like, the box, kind of the box seats, I was trying to sort of see, Yeah, it looks you know. like, because the different, um, actually, yeah, because the different, the different, like, towers all have, um, house colors that seem mm -hmm. to be. Um, representative of the different like different houses and there's different teams that seem to be perched there actually are it looks like there are a lot more people in the stands than attend hogwarts yeah that's what i thought too i didn't know if maybe like you know like when you go to a home game of a football game or something then a lot of people will come in that are like oh yes i used to be on the football yeah, team we and were, i'm coming we to were, town we and discussing it a little bit last week i think victoria and i um my running theory is that there's probably like yeah alumni here or like parents and friends of the of like students that are playing and um and things like that we we do see next i think it's in the next movie when draco malfoy is on the slytherin team we we do see his father there present in the stands so i wouldn't be surprised if like other wizarding families are coming to support their children or whatever during the during the matches um, but I'm not really sure how they, I, as far as like the practical set goes, they only built one of these like, like seating boxes, the, mm. the towers that we see the, that we see McGonagall and the rest of the professors in and the rest of it's all just done on computers. So I think that they just like populated it so that it looks like there are people here, but we don't ever actually get a good clean, sh like a, uh, like camera shot of like, here's all the huffle. We, yeah. The only kids we see are, I think standing in the rings between the towers. Mm -hmm. I think that they're lower down than the rest of the, the, the crowd is. Um, yeah, I don't know. The stadium definitely looks too big for all the people that go to Hogwarts. So there could it's be a huge. lot of people. coming. And then it there. also looked like I was noticing how much space is around them. Like it looks like the school's off kind of far away and that they have a lot of, you know, yeah. greenery and trees and just a big wide Do open I space. Of I digital have, trees. Yep. Digital trees, digital... Uh, I have a map 
that I should have already had ready. I didn't think about this. I have a map that's drawn by J.K. Rowling, and it's sort of a layout of where the Quidditch pitch is. Um, it's got like a top-down view of what the what the school looks like, mm. and it looks like between uh, the Quidditch pitch lies halfway between the castle and Hogsmeade. Oh, okay. Um, there's a path that comes in from the front gate um, that that cuts this big like lawn, kind of this open green expanse in half. And so the side that the Quidditch pitch on is on the opposite side from Hagrid's hut, the Whomping Willow, and the Forbidden Forest. Um, it is on the the Quidditch pitch is on the western side, like the northwestern side of the map, and the forest is on the opposite, the the northeast. Gotcha. And then the lake is mostly the the southern part is the lake. It covers most of it. The castle's on a cliff, which I didn't know until we started doing this um this show. That it like overlooks the lake. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting. Uh, the 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 book I have, Film Wizardry, which does a lot of the um kind of behind the scenes talk of the making of the movies, says that uh she drew that map in pen on just like a piece of scratch paper for Stuart Craig, the the set designer, mm -hmm. in like a couple of minutes. Like she knew exactly what the layout was like in her head as she was doing this. Um which I think is cool. Yeah. It's probably that's really one of my cool. favorite things that's in this book is just this little hand drawn map that she did. I'll have to post that on our minute page, I guess. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, that'd be cool to see. Yeah, I'll I'll share that to the the uh, the group whenever this minute goes up, I think. Cool. So we get these great panning shots of the Quidditch pitch. And then uh, we see Harry, his like reaction shot after Angelina falls. And then the snitch comes by. And I like the way that the snitch comes in on the screen. Stuart, uh, not Stuart Craig, uh, Chris Columbus in the commentary mentions that if they had ever done like a 3D version of sorcerer's stone that like this is the thing he wants to see most mm, in 3D. yeah that Build makes sense flying around. just oh, yeah. just like the quidditch match in general just oh, like yeah. going around yeah. the stands i think this would probably be the coolest thing in 3d oh definitely it'd be, that'd the be a only cool thing little... that'd make it worth it yeah yeah i was gonna say that'd be cool like um you know disneyland have you guys been to california adventure probably huh i have but it's been a while they have that I've never been they really? have it didn't an, exist okay the bugs uh a bug's life they have they have like favorite. a theater that you go into mm -hmm. and there's 3d stuff that happened like you see a movie and there's really great 3d like you know like it feels like it's coming out over your head sure. with bugs and things and then they also have that in the seats you know like um there's a pro there's a part where you're feeling like somebody kind of poking at you in the seats oh so that could be like <laughs> if they well, don't redo the movie the... but if they put it in in their um their attraction if they had yeah. like a, you could go in and see a quidditch match in 3d that would be pretty fun oh that would be yeah because so it was it uh like the D movie disneyland scenes. had a of the 4d honey i shrunk the audience mm. and it had that whole thing the 3d was really good and it would look like something zoomed over your head uh it looked like the whole audience was literally like, like moved oh. because they make it look like the people in front of you are like really really huge like they shrunk you and it shows like it looks like the guy is like picking up a box that have you in it and they're moving, moving it you. and Weird. then when um 
mice get uh like free you get they look like they're coming out of the screen and spilling over so to give the illusion that they're all on the floor at our feet oh, and no. so the like, puffs of air are being blown and so it feels feel like, like there's stuff scurrying there's stuff around over your feet and that's everything. amazing so, kind of like a, a 4d experience i like stuff like that right? yeah that's how the bug's life one is too now that you mentioned well, that the cool. air they do it in that that one too that one's really oh, i would love that i love bugs super life, cute I think yeah because it has all the characters <laughs> me too and i feel like it's underrated yeah i it's always it's Monster Inc. Well, and yeah. Toy Story. Toy Story. Or I mean, those are great Nemo, movies too. Which but... are great. But I love Bugs Life. Maybe it's just because it's been a while. A long time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think my, I think like kids now probably haven't seen Bugs Life. Right. But I feel like Monsters Inc. still gets seen. Well, yeah, but that's a newer, that movie's probably 10 years newer than Bugs Life is. Toy Story. True. But there's going to be a new one. They're making a that's fourth true. Toy Story. They're going to keep... That's true. <laughs> That's definitely Whatever. not on minute. I know. Pixar minute. <laughs> oh, Pixar minute. Who's Pixar why? Minute. Someone should oh be doing God. that. Get on. That I live minute. like I live like twenty minutes from Pixar too. <gasps> oh, That's what? cool. I, I have friends who work there. I really need to start working my angles so I can go. Yeah, and go, go visit. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome. One uh, day we'll get to Wizarding World. I know. That's <laughs> a goal. Um. Harry, so so Harry's chasing after the <laughs> snitch. Flopping around. Um, yeah, and then he he ducks a bludger, which is nerve wracking, right? Oh, because you don't want to hit in the head with. One we of talked those. about we <laughs> talked about their their what sixty pounds yeah. of iron. Oh my gosh, yeah, well, you no, knock your head off. Pounds, I would think, they travel but... at like sixty miles an hour. They're solid iron. Oh yeah, it would knock yeah. your head off. Yeah, hit you in the head. Oh I man, feel. no, these things <laughs> these things are devastating. Um, wow. Yeah, I thought it was like let you know like leather or something yeah we found i found according to quidditch of the ages that it was solid iron and then Oof. i we did some math that if it's a 10 inch sphere of iron it's got to be like heavy like very heavy and then someone online did a uh, did calculations based on like how the rogue bludger travels in the next movie um how fast the bludger's going and it's going at about 60 miles an hour so that would break bones it would like really Oof. wreck someone up like i i that's scary um he ducks underneath it and then all of a sudden his broom starts going haywire and we get we get a good um <laughs> we get a good few seconds of him bucking around <laughs> like back and forth and rolling over and it's uh i i don't how does how does he handle that? I don't know if I would stay on the broom. You must have like a really good grip. But he's really, really high up, you yeah, know. So I think the, he's the, like white knuckling. Oh, stay on it <laughs> would room. be very like you'd have a lot I of. I would cross um, my legs. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Legs are like flailing. I would be like, not nah, across those things. Well, he doesn't, and that's why he ends up dangling from that's one true. hand. But I, does that happen in this minute? But thank that, goodness he has a good grip. Yep. Um, I really like the shot through Hermione's binoculars. Mm-hmm. Right? I mentioned that. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, black she, she the looks edges. up, and then and then she looks down and she sees the teacher's box and and uh, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Are you still there? Yeah, you okay. cut out for just a second. Sorry, I don't know what happened. That's weird. Um, that's okay. We'll f fix that afterwards. Um. So, so, so she's looking needs, up. Yeah. yeah, she's looking up at at Harry, and then she she pans the binoculars down to the teacher's box, and we see. Uh, she focuses on on Snape, 
uh, who's like muttering something. <laughs> but, but but it's like if she would just look right over here at Quirrell. Quirrell is look at that. Yeah, Quirrell's got this look of menace. He's also looking up at at, at like Hermione. Intensely. The rest of them, yeah, the rest of the crowd all look like scared or like worried, like concerned, like concerned. very concerned. Looks um, and... When she zooms in on Snape, I have to say that the guy that's standing behind Snape, he has the greatest mustache. Yeah, <laughs> it is so great. I don't know who this guy is or why he's he in the like same boxes. That he does look like a bard. <laughs> is do you think that there are like bards in the Wizarding World, like people who use like music as magic? Probably. Oh, I hope yeah. there is. Like there needs. If there's not there, why not? I don't think we have any evidence of no, that happening, but... but I think that would be really cool. It would be. I, I like that idea. What about like druids and things? There's all sorts of other types of like minstrels. magic users. Minstrels. Minstrels. I like that. Um, so we see Snape muttering. I don't know if I had... Hermione automatically is like, it's Snape. Ugh. Well, that's what oh, I was wondering. Girl. Yeah, was that what kind of lessons are these, This is our trio learning? They're all just, they've just kind of become their uh, the, the solid trio, right? Just yeah. within the last ten minutes like, or so. Exactly. Like they really right? kind of yeah. Yeah. joined forces. And then they're they so it seems like she's jumping this, to this conclusion because of Snape being Slytherin because of the things he's been well, the, I, eye, the I hairy think, eyeball he gives everybody or what you know why why is she so right, quickly cause, cause jumping literally the only because the only thing we've interaction we've seen it was like the first day of school which of course was well, not a pleasant interaction. Class. That's what I just said. Class. Oh, you said his class. When you said first day of school, I thought or, you were or the, the potions class, That's like true. the first class that you see with you know that he has. Like there's a there's obviously not a very good interaction there. But other than that time, he comes up to Harry and wishes wishes him good luck. But Harry, of course, not in like the best of ways. But still, like I don't feel like neither of those things like constitute as. But like, see, this, this is, is what he's doing. That is when Harry decides that he's pretty sure that Snape is is trying to go after whatever Fluffy's guarding. Yeah. They've already, they've already, they've mm -hmm. already think in their head. And I think that because I think that because that that thought has been yeah. established, it, it's when like, oh, he's Hermione sees something. that Snape is doing is even just muttering under his breath. I think she jumps that it's got to be him because there's already something suspicious going on with Snape. Mm -hmm. Well, and she already has a lot of confidence that she's like a good observer of things. Yes. Like it seems like, like she has an eye for details, but also that those are the kind of things you, that we tend to do when we first start school is like start categorizing people. Yeah. Categorizing clicks and then um, imposing what we think their value system is and who we think they are. And then over no, time really learning. Know. And I mean, with these stories and Snape's story, which is so fascinating, it, it's it's fun because especially for me not ever reading the books, I didn't know where that story was leading, where Snape's story was leading at all. Yeah. So as oh, as wow. a, could, as an observer, you know, like mind blowing when that happened like not reading yeah. the books and just watching the movies and then when that happens Ooh. it's like what <laughs> that's fascinating um yeah so she jumps to this conclusion that uh that it's got to be snape and 
Hermione is like on it. She's like, leave it to me. Um, I love her like. Well, this is another example of Hermione's like Gryffindorness. This like, I'm gonna take care of this situation. Like, I got it. I got yeah. this. I'm gonna handle this. Why don't they say something to Hagrid? He's literally standing behind them. Good question. Not paying attention. No. But he said, no. but Hagrid she, says. She's on her own agenda. I mean, he point. says something. Does he say something in this minute? Like, that uh, looks mm, like he's. No. Not uh, to them. I think he's just kind of like, like, oh, like, like just kind of commenting on me, what's going on with Harry. I'm going to go back and let this. Oh, he just says what's going on with Harry's broomstick. Yeah, yeah. So he, he notices something. Yeah, he definitely notice. notices something. But uh, he's not listening to Hermione and Ron, I, I suppose. Like, I think he's more concerned with what's happening with Harry. So that when the two of them, when she decides that she's going to run off and take care of the situation, he's sort of oblivious to it. Which is okay. You know, he's got he's got reason to be concerned about Harry. He's the, he's his, like, um, I don't want to say protector, but, you know. Um, I'm hearing Hagrid some of that who... famous kitty cat color commentary in the yeah. background. Oh, is it? Is it? It's a, it's a different kitty too. Yeah. Oh, it's not even my kitties this time. No, this is my roommate's cat Melody that's joining us today. Mm. She's a uh, out and about. Right. Um, I think that's the end of the minute, right? Is yeah, it? Harry's just whipping around on the broom. Hermione has gone off to uh, handle the situation, and I think that's everything. I don't have any more notes for this minute necessarily. Let me double check, but I don't think so. Oh, I, actually, that's not true. I did have one more note for this minute. Okay, and I have two quick notes, too. Okay. Uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but we saw Slytherin get their second, uh, their second point. And I wrote a note that just says, Slytherin showboating. Because... Mm. When Marcus Flint got his point last week, he threw <laughs> he threw the ball. The oh, that was my bad. Jeez. I hit something. He threw the quaffle <laughs> behind his back. Um, I was like miming it. Not that anyone can see me, but I hit something behind me that I didn't expect to be there. Um, he kind of throws it into the into the goal behind his back, and then in this minute, when the other chaser does that, he like throws the quaffle into the air and then spins around in his broom so he can hit right. it in the back of his yeah. bristles. Um. Which I think is ridiculous. It's so unnecessary. It's, it's showboating. It's it like, is. It's uh, showboating because they know that they know that there isn't a keeper to stop them. It's like when uh, it's like when you when, when we play football and they make a touchdown and they do the stupid little touchdown dance. Oh down man, there. it's the same. I guess so. Yeah, and I think it's an like, adrenaline thing too. You know, like they've won. They're or they scored. They're, they're pumped. They're yeah. pumped, right? They're pumped. <laughs> they're jocks <laughs> that are pumped. Yeah, yeah we just did that. Well, my note that had to do with that kind of was I just, the first thing I wrote was, oof, that scorekeeper thingamajig would have been yeah. better as a practical effect than that very weird digital effect. You oh. know what I mean? The keeper <laughs> itself that goes ka-ching, you know, it's now they have oh. 10 points. Now yeah, they have, yeah. Because that, that really stands out, you know, as some old digital. Yeah, it looks like, um, we talked about it a little bit. It looks like it's supposed to like you know i don't know if they actually could yeah i don't know if they constructed something it's very strange it, it sort of it looks like they like it like drops through a slot into the um like into the little ring that we see but it's it's a weird is there a name for those rings i don't i don't know what they're called no i'm i'm no i don't know what they, they're just goalposts um 
I am looking for the moment where it, yeah, that right there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's like an actual constructed piece of wood with you the, the score on it. It doesn't right. look like it. With the it score where it says the, their scores. Like 20 points. Yeah. They both have 20 points at this point. It looks yeah. super digital to me. And I was thinking, oh, it'd be cool if it was like uh, something that had looked like it had been around for centuries. Yeah. And it's know? interesting that they didn't choose to do that because um, we've talked about it before, but Chris Columbus is really into the idea of using practical effects for things. And so anytime that he can, he does. And I don't know. It's interesting how much, I mean, I guess they sacrificed a lot of that to do the, the effects of the game. And that was just another one of the things that just got done at the end, I guess. I don't know. It's bizarre. Well, the other part, which is we can go into or not, but I was calling the the Slytherin captain Captain Snaggletooth because they really <laughs> accentuated like his teeth and a pretty <laughs> crazy demented. <laughs> yeah, they do. he's scary. Yeah. They're really like, scary. Have you um, like never brushed your teeth ever in your life? Nope. Martin but it's AKA Captain Snaggletooth. Yeah, it, it was. Or yeah, they're pretty bad. But it it, yeah. it 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 also reminded me of one of my favorite podcasts is uh, "How Did This Get Made?" Okay, um, and it's like all these three hilarious comedians and all their comedian guests looking at crazy, horrible movies and and sometimes good movies. But then they discuss how did this movie get made, and it's really fantastic. But one of the guys. Um, Jason Manzukas, who's he's a great uh, improv actor, and he, but he's also a huge Harry Potter fan. And I forget what they were talking about, or who they were even talking with, or what episode it was. But somebody brought up that Hermione, one of their guests, brought up that um, they were talking about um kind of re- realism, like realistic characters in movies, and mm-hmm. she was mentioning she was a Harry Potter fan, but also that Hermione's character in the books, besides having the kind of scruffy hair also had really long teeth. Yes. Yeah. And that then they get shortened at a certain time. So mm-hmm. I was just curious. About yeah. That. And that's something that's interesting. Cause um, here with, with Captain Snaggletooth, he is wearing um, like fake teeth and they, in the first day of shooting, they did have Hermione, uh, they did have Emma Watson wear like false teeth, mm. but it sort of like muffled her speech. Like it, mm. it her, um, they had some like audio, like dialogue issues. Like they kind of gave her a lisp that they didn't want her to have. And so they decided very quickly, like, we're not going to do that. It was the same with Harry. Harry's supposed to have green eyes and they had him wear, they had Dan wear colored contacts at first and they, he had like a reaction to them or they mm. irritated his eyes and they were like, okay, like it's okay if he just has blue eyes as long as they're the same color as mothers then they'll be happy with it right um but we'll we'll get to it that first day of shooting is is the scene where they're leaving on the train at the end of the movie and uh we'll get to point it out then but hermione is wearing the the false oh wow but it's the only it's the only scene they uh they had her wear them for and she only has like one line but you can definitely Mm. you can you can tell that it's like affecting her speech Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm glad I asked about that. And I'm glad you had so much pertinent information about no, it. For sure. That's something <laughs> uh, I got. I got, um, that was one of the most interesting things. For the most of this movie, I think they tried to shoot things chronologically. But they started filming with 
the scene of them leaving Hogwarts because um, I guess the set that they were on or the place that they were filming at, like I, had, they only had like certain days that it was available or something to that effect. Um, I'm going to try and find a little more information about like why they shot that first, but hmm. yeah. Well, cool. Awesome. Okay. I think that was everything I had for today. You feeling all right? How do you feel? Feeling good. I yeah. think we we have a, a good a good minute. I think here. we've exhausted this minute, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us, Heidi. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Anyone who's listening, you guys can find us at duelinggenre.com dot com and harrypotterminute dot com. You can follow us on you know Facebook and Twitter and all that good stuff. And uh, you can join our listeners army page, the the listener group on Facebook. Um, and interact with everyone there. We get some really good conversation there. Sometimes people post things on there, stuff that we don't know. Yes. We'll get really great information coming from our listeners, which I always really love. Um, anytime that there's something that like we miss out or um, we don't have the time to cover, like we we get. It's nice to have some backup. It's, it's right? been it's yeah. been a good it's been a good time. Awesome. We wrap up every minute saying mischief managed, Heidi. If you're uh, if you're I'm, interested in joining I'm us, I'm up for it. Right. Yeah. All right. Are you guys ready? All right. Yep. Mischief, Mischief managed. managed.